Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much. We are going to start a series. uh, I've entitled it The Greatest Gift Exchange, and we'll be looking at the Christmas story just a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit different as far as the introduction this morning and some of what we're going to do. And uh, if you do come here regularly, uh, typically I will get a passage of Scripture and I'll usually kind of dissect through that passage of Scripture. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do that a little bit differently. Um, but uh, this morning, as we get into the, the greatest gift exchange, how many of you were like me and you have been a part of 500 different gift exchanges in your life. I was going to play some type of a silly game and have you guys do something, but I chose not to because I really couldn't make it work the way that I thought it in my head. But um, have, if you were like me and you would go to school, I can think of times when we were like in, in elementary school and, and every like the last day of, of class before you had your two or whatever week break, you would always sit down and you would have a gift exchange and and the boys would bring a boy gift, and the girls would bring a girl girl gift. And uh, you would go through this thing, and you would pick a name or however that would work, and you would go and you would exchange your gift. And if you were like me as well, maybe I'm just sharing bad things about me, but you would try to bring a really cool gift, right? And then you would get back a gift, and you're like, wait a second. My gift was so much more cool than what I just got. And you leave the gift exchange and you have fun and you, ah, and then you get home and you're like, this is so dumb. <laughs> or you're on the school bus on the way home and whatever it is. But I, I paid, mine is so much cool. But we have all these different things and we do gift exchanges. You do them within your families. Those are really fun. Unless... Your aunt is the one buying you gifts, and I hope that my Aunt Carolyn does not listen to this podcast, but my Aunt Carolyn would get us gifts. Now, my aunt, she owns a flower shop, and I don't know why I'm going into this, but my aunt owns a flower shop. And so everything is like, like this whole stage would be like this big, huge design. Like everything is way bigger, and everything is whatever, and, and she really, she did a great, it was, honestly, she was an incredible florist, but... Every year for Christmas, like it's the one gift that you know is coming and you're like, oh, what is this going to be now? Like, what's it really going to look like? She would buy all of us ornaments for a tree. I think I've said something about this before in the past. But it's like, Aunt Carolyn, I'm seven years old. I don't want an ornament the size of my head. That nobody thinks is good looking except for you, apparently. You know when you go, like, to Walmart at the end of the season and all those, like, hideous ornaments are still there? That's what we got. And I'm, and every, every Christmas I would think, why? Why? I have one of them. I think. Actually, I think it broke. Last Christmas, I think it broke. But it was because it was a Cleveland Indians one. And I'm like, hey, at least it has something to do with something somewhat cool. Some of you are like, no, the Indians aren't cool. But that's okay. You have problems just like I do. 
So at any rate, the gift exchange. We often go through Christmas and we, we do all of these different things. But the reality is, and I think you all kind of recognize and understand where this is going. But in the service, as we go through this, God the Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ. So that He could, could come and that we could celebrate the, the Son, that, that we could have all these things. But really, Jesus came to exchange His life for ours. See, Christ came, each and every one of us that sit here today, whether you, whether you have a great upbringing or you have a, a poor upbringing, whether you have money or you don't have money, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situations, we all have one thing in common, and that one thing is sin. But we also have a lot of issues inside of all of those things. See, there was a time where I was counseling with a young lady one time when I was a youth pastor. And we were sitting down in the office and, and she had said something and she made this comment. She said, yeah, but you guys have that nice little family that has the picket fence, dream little life. And you guys have the perfect little family. And I thought to myself, you only think I have the perfect family. See, to some of you, you would look at my family and you may, you may think, if you don't know, uh, you know, we have four children. My parents are here. My dad is dressed identical to me this morning. I have no idea why he did that. But my parents are here. I'm able to serve alongside of my parents. My mom is usually playing the piano and I've grown up. And people always thought that at home we had this perfect little family. But very few people lived in my home. See, there was three of us. And I had two, a sister that was older and a sister that was younger. And and in my home it was not perfect. And so that young lady who decided to say, but you had a perfect family and you don't understand what I'm going through. I quickly I don't know how spiritual I said it back, but I said it really quick. If you only knew what took place in my home. See, because nobody outside of the few that were in my home, and I'm going to share this, and I I think I may have shared some of this before, but nobody except for those that were in my home knew what took place in our home. No one except for those of us that were in our home and my two sisters and I would cuddle up in a bedroom in the corner of the room and we would cry together as mom and dad would scream and yell at each other. Nobody lived in the home that we lived in though people thought it was perfect and that young lady said, but you have a perfect family. Yeah, it was real perfect when I chased my dad down the stairs when he went to get the shotgun off the, off the wall. See, nobody understood that. And some of you in this room are going, oh my word, because you know my parents. See, you know my parents today. You don't know my parents when I was 10 years old. We all have stuff and junk that needs to be exchanged. And Jesus Christ came to exchange all of our junk for Him. And when He came, He came in a manger. And we know all of those stories and we, we get that. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting any of those things. But God sent His only begotten Son to die upon a cross that He would exchange His life of perfection and His life of hope for our life of imperfection, our life of hopelessness, our life of sadness, our life of hatred, our life of misery, that we would have what He has. 
He came to exchange those things. And this morning and for the next few weeks, we're going to look at several different things and we're going to look at the Christmas story. But before we do, if you have your Bible with you, why don't you go with me to Luke chapter 11? And I know this is not a part of the Christmas story. But Luke chapter 11, we're going to read a few verses and I'll, make, I'll, I'll try to wrap this together and make sense of this for you while we're reading this passage here. Typically, this is a, a passage of scripture that may be on giving or different things. But uh, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse number 9. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen as well. It says this in Luke chapter 11, starting in 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give the, or a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for the day that You've given to us. Lord, I thank You that You came to exchange Your life for mine. Father, I thank You that You came to give me hope. You came to give me everlasting life. Father, but you came that I may know you and that I may worship you. Father, this morning I pray that we would leave this place different. And that we would have a greater desire to to worship. That we would have a greater desire to know you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Ultimately, Jesus was sent to the earth to do his Father's will. But in that he came, and we, if we were to look at scripture, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He had a purpose, he had a plan in being here. And that was to live that life of perfection and to go to the cross, to the cross to, to exchange his life for our sin. This particular passage isn't going to be that for all of my points. But, but if we look at Jesus and why Jesus came. And Jesus here is the one who is speaking. And, and it's in red if you have a red letter edition Bible. But it says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. If we look at all these things, if we ask, if we seek and if we knock, he gives us a promise. He lets us know that when we ask, it will be given. When we seek, we will find. And when we knock, it will be opened. I think for everybody in this room, you would recognize and you would understand that that's not just God saying, here you go, here's a blank check, now write whatever you want on it, and you can ask and it'll give, it'll be given, and so on and so forth. If that were the case, I think all of us would be in a different place this morning. But if you and I are seeking out or asking God of His will and we are seeking after God and if we are truly knocking and saying, God, I need you. God, 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 where are you? I need you. I'm seeking you and I'm begging for you and I'm I'm literally just seeking the will of God in my life. And as I do those things and as I ask those things, hey, it will be given to us. I was talking to Anthony just this morning a few moments ago back there. And he was sharing some of the hurt of times in his life. And I'm sorry if I'm giving this out to you out. But 
he made reference to this one thing. There was a time that he was angry because of something he prayed for that didn't come true. But it made sense as God revealed it and showed it to him. See, many times we would say, God, but why would such and such have passed away? I asked you that you would heal them. Well, in this story that we were talking about, it was a healing. It may not have been on this earth, but it was eternal. See, we don't always understand. But as we seek after God and as we ask him, God says, and he goes on to explain it. Hey, how many of you, if your son asks for food, would you give him a rock? If he asked for fish, would you give him a serpent? There's many of you in here that are parents. He says specifically fathers, but they're your parents in here. You have children. And when your children desire of something and they ask you of something, you don't look at them in seriousness. (laughs) You may in sarcasm, but you don't look at them in seriousness and give them something completely opposite than what they are asking. When your children are hungry, you're not like, oh, here you go. Go eat some rocks out in the backyard. No, you provide that and you desire to give them those things. When they ask of certain things, we so desire to give good things to our children. Nobody in this room would be like, yeah, I don't really care. Just do whatever you want. But we desire to give good things to our children. And he says, how much more then does your heavenly father desire to do the same thing for us? And he says, for you are evil. But yet you desire to do good for your own. Hey, God came here. God came to exchange his life for you. And it really is, if we look at this passage of Scripture, we kind of look at it and and package it just a little bit and we think about it. It's such a great picture of who God is, that His desire is that when we ask and when we seek and we would knock, that He would be there, that He would respond and that He would show Himself to us and that the door would be open. I don't know how many times in my life where I've just been begging after God and, and there was times where it was a silence and it was just, okay, where are you? But then there was other times, every time, that the answer has come in some way, shape or form. But I think of my own life and how many times he's just said, he's kind of opened the door and he said, Aaron, come on in. Let me show you something. As I've seeked, as I sought after him and as I've been seeking God to do certain things, I don't know. There's so many times that that God has shown himself to me. It may not have been everything that I thought it would be or ever I dreamed of. But he showed himself to me. See, he does that because he promises that he will do that. He came to exchange his life for yours. He came to exchange our sadness with his joy, our hopelessness with his hope, our bad with his good. He came to bring salvation and that exchange is only possible because the coming of the Savior. If you have your Bible with me, or with you. We're going to go just a little bit over. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at some of the Christmas story here. And I'm going to look at this point. Jesus came that those who are far from him would find him and find joy. Jesus came that those who are far from him would find him and find joy. Matthew chapter 2 Again, this will be on the screens, but Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. In verse number 7, Then Herod, when he had... Excuse me, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. In these next two verses, when they saw the star, what did they do? They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And I don't think this is on the screen, but in verse number 11, And when they come unto the, into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Jesus came that those who are far from him would find him and find joy. I'm not going to go deep into the story of the wise men and their travels and their journeys and where they came from and all those things. But, but looking at this, there's many, many things that are a little bit uncertain of the wise men. The wise men, to me, is one of the most intriguing things in Scripture. I have no idea why, but I've always been so intrigued by the wise men. When I was in college, I did a little bit of a study on it, and I, I kind of saw where they came from and their journey, and I kind of did different things, and it was just always really intriguing to me. Why these people from the east, how they found out and, and all of the things and then how they got from there and they traveled all the way over and they came to Jesus when he wasn't just a little bitty baby born. He was, he was a, a child. He was a toddler at that point is what, what the, the guess is. But we know that they traveled and we know that when they came, when the star reappeared in verse number 9, it says they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And we know in verse number 11 that they fell and worshiped him. Jesus came for those who were far from him to find him that they might have joy. I don't know about you and your story, but as I look through different passages of scripture, when Christ came, he came that we might get rid of, again, our sadness for joy, our anger for happiness, our peace uh, for happiness and peace, our worry for his calm and his comfort. He came again to exchange our bad for his good. In John chapter 8, there was a woman, and we, some of you would know the story, there was a woman who was caught in adultery, who Jesus come, and, and when Jesus came, he, he, he spoke to them, and he asked, who, who, those of you that, that were without sin, cast the first stone, and, and we know the story that he, he got down, and he drew something into the dirt, whether it was a line or whatever it was that he drew, but he drew into the dirt, and he looks back up, and everybody was gone except for the woman, and he looks at the lady, and he says, Hey, go and sin no more. You might say, well, what is that? You know what I would say to that particular story was, this was a woman who was in adultery. She was brought into the house, and what she was brought there for was really one thing, that she would be stoned and that she would be put to death. 
Jesus comes in, and this is a woman that was obviously as far from Christ as could be. And I don't know the story of this woman, and none of us do. But we know that she was in sin. She was in the midst of doing wrong. And Jesus looks at her, and Jesus says, hey, go and sin no more. We could go through so many other stories here and throughout Scripture. In Matthew chapter 9, a paralytic man, not only was he handicapped, but he was spiritually dead. Jesus says unto him, your sins are forgiven. And he says, go, take up your bed and walk. See, all throughout Jesus' time on earth, when Jesus was performing miracles and was Jesus was doing what Jesus was doing, he would go and he would find people that were far from him. Zacchaeus, hey, we're walking down the street and we all know, we know the song Zacchaeus was a wee little man and Zacchaeus went and climbed up in a tree and, and as Zacchaeus was up there because he was small in stature, he was looking to see Jesus and as Jesus is walking, Zacchaeus, he looks up there and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come here. I'm coming to your house. See, he was around all kinds of religious elites. He was around all kinds of great people. But Jesus looked up and he saw a man who was far from him. And he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to you. Listen, there's some of you in this room. You can look at your story and you can look at your history of life. And you can say, I was Zacchaeus at one time up in a tree in the way far, far away from Jesus. And somewhere, somehow Jesus saw me. Jesus reached out and he said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. I don't know where you are. You may be sitting in this room right now and you were here last Sunday and you were here the Sunday before and you were here the Sunday before and you feel like Zacchaeus who is far away from God and God is saying, hey, I'm right here. Come on back home. But Jesus came on this earth not to be a really cool figure Not to be any of those things, but he came to exchange his life for your life. He came to give you hope. He came to take the sadness that you have and to give you joy. He came to take the hopelessness that you have to give you hope. He came to take all of the anxieties and all of the struggles and all the problems and all the addictions. He came to to free you from all of those things. To exchange his perfect life for our wicked, sinful, what it said in Luke chapter 9 or Luke 11, what was it? That our evil, we were evil, but yet we desire to do good. He came to exchange that. As I look at that, as I think of that, I can't help. But think of each and every one of us in this room, regardless of your story, regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, we all at some time were far from God. For whatever reason God brought you here, today I don't know. Maybe you feel like you're far from God this morning. Maybe this morning you're in a situation where you're you're, you were drugged by whoever you're here with. You don't really even want to be here. I don't know. But can I just let you know this? And you may think I'm weird. And that's okay. There's a lot that do. God knew you would be here. And that's why you're here. And though you may feel far away. God is looking out. 
And as Jesus, I just imagine, we're just, this is a little road, we can call it a little road, and as Jesus is walking down the street with people all over, he looks up in a tree and he says, hey Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to come to your house. We're going to have dinner at your house. And if you know the story, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, they're not loved today no more than they were loved back then. But he owed a lot of people money and he stole from a lot of people and he made life miserable for a lot of people. And Jesus changed his life and he said, Jesus, I'm going to give back to everybody that I've done wrong and I'm going to do more and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to just, I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. Because why? God reached down and took a man who was far away from him and he took him from his hurt and he took him from his anger and he took him and he said, here, I'm going to give you a little bit of joy. Because he was far from him. And he came to give him joy. The next point this morning, those who listen to his voice will be filled with joy. Luke chapter 1. If we were to look at Luke chapter 1, we're going to see uh, the beginning stages of this, this Jesus coming to earth. But Luke 1 and verse number 39. It says this, and Mary arose in those days. And went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zacharias and and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Listen this morning. When we slow down and stop enough to just hear the voice of God. Those who listen to his voice will be filled with joy. Some of you may sit here and you say, but yeah, but this has been a lo- this has been a, a longest year of my life. I've lost this friend or I've lost that mother or father or this or that. And it's been a tough year and it's been really hard. And I've, I've tried to be in church and I've tried to do these things. Listen, all I can, I can promise you this, those things will come. I wish I could stand here and say there'll never be a day that it's going to be a hard day. And and for the rest of your life, you're just going to be on cloud nine. And everything that you do, you're going to be on cloud nine and cloud nine and cloud nine. I sit here and I stare and I see people who I know this year has been a tough year. Physically, you're not where you thought you would be. You've been in the hospital too many times. You've been down too many times. Or maybe it's work. I, I, I know people that are, are struggling because they haven't found work or whatever those things are. And it's just been one of those years. But listen, I guarantee you, one, because God's word gives us the promise that when we ask and when we seek, we will find. And when we knock, he will open up. But I know because I know what God's word is. And God's word, when we listen to God and when we speak to God, he will give us the desires of our heart. But he will give us a joy that we cannot understand. I promise you that. I've said this verse, I don't know how many times in the last several weeks and months, but in John chapter uh, 7 where he speaks that to know eternal life is to know Him. It is to know Him. Listen, 
if there's been one thing that is changing my life for Christ and my relationship with, with Him, it is to understand and recognize eternal life is to know Him. Because if I know Him and I understand that He is joy, He is peace, He is love, He is comfort, He is all of these things, He is that. It's not, he doesn't have a little bit of it. He is that. As I know Him, when I need joy, I get to know Him better and He gives me the joy. He gives me the comfort. He gives me what I need as I know Him. So many times we have so many believers, and I don't discredit the reality of life, but so many times we are, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and times hit rough. And all of a sudden it's just like, well, I just don't know. Where's God at in my life? I know those times come, and I'm not saying that that is not happening, and I'm not, I'm not questioning you when you say those things. But so many times, we're so quick to say, but God, where are you? As opposed to just burying ourselves in God's word and saying, God, fill me with the joy that I need right now. Fill me with what I need right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just a, a brief story that I, I, I read and I had heard not too long ago, and I kind of jotted down the notes as much as I could. But it was a man who in the mid-70s started his journey into early adulthood. For the first time, he got caught stealing in the mid-70s. And here's what's the, I don't know if it's the funny part of the story or not, but he got caught stealing from a church bookstore a Bible. And he got in trouble for stealing at a church bookstore. Hey, if there's something to steal, I guess a Bible is a good thing to steal, but you should still have a consequence to doing so. He got in trouble. That young man got really angry, and that young man in his anger began to spiral in a downward slide. And I don't know all the story of this young man, but here's what I do know. I know that that man who started with some petty theft, stealing a Bible, not too far, not too long later, found himself convicted in prison for 639 years. Hey, I don't know about you, but he ain't getting out. That's a rough go of things. That's hopelessness. That is hopeless as much as hopeless could be as far as I'm concerned. I know for a fact that the rest of my life, this is the square that I get to look at. And these are the people that I get to see. And so that man began to seek after different things. And in his seeking and in his searching, he found the Wiccan faith. And so he began to dive in and he began to study and he began to do all these things inside of the Wiccan faith. Eventually, inside of his prison, began the, the, became like the priest of the Wiccan faith. I don't really know much about that. <coughs> but he became, he became the priest in the Wiccan faith. And in his haste and in his, in his pride and in his arrogance, he, he picked up a Bible and he kind of said, I'm going to read through this Bible because... My faith, my, my religion of wick, this wicked faith is so powerful and is so strong. There's nothing that can change me. <coughs> Excuse me. I just spit all over you. I apologize. But as he began to read scripture, he said he would read through one time in a year. He found himself reading through twice that year. 
He found himself coming to the end of that and he was seeking after different things and he began to search and he began to question and eventually he began and he got on the phone and he called his father and he said, Dad, I want to call you. I want to let you know and I'm asking for your forgiveness. He said, I've ruined the church or the family name and I've done all this stuff and I've, I've been a heinous and a horrible man and a horrible son. And his dad says, son, I forgive you. He goes, I forgive you because I, I've been forgiven of so many things and I know Christ is my Savior. And he went through and he shared and he, he forgave his son. <coughs> his son inside of the jail continued to do his wicked beliefs and continued to go through those things. But eventually found a group of guys that were, were meeting however they would meet. And he would go, man, he began to go to those meetings. <coughs> Are you going to give me a cough drop? He began to go to those meetings. Come to find out inside of those meetings that those were Bible studies. And as he was going through and he began to go to those meetings one night, he came to a place and in his cell he bowed his head and gave himself and gave himself to the Lord and he just said, God, here I am. Now, most of you in this room, you were waiting for that to come at the end of the story because that's where this was going, and you, it wasn't like a trick. But here's why I give you that story. One, it's a true story. The man wrote this to the pastor of the church where he stole the Bible, and he shared his experience, and he shared his conviction, and he shared all of those things. But here is a man that has no reason to have hope. He has no reason to have joy. He has no reason to look up. He has no reason to do anything because he's in jail for 600 plus years where he will, he will die. But yet because Jesus Christ came, he, he, he filled this man with everything that he needs. Listen, if we listen to the voice of God, as we read God's word, as we study God's word, he will fill you with the joy. He will fill you with peace. He will fill you with the comfort. He will give you all of the desires that we need. I shared with you just a couple weeks ago, the things that we need and the things that we long for aren't in finances. They aren't in any of these things. They are only in him. I love Sports, I share it all the time. I would love for my son to just have such a desire to play baseball. Because I love baseball. I do. Some of you are like, that's the most boring sport. I don't really care. I love baseball. I love it. But if I seek fulfillment in seeing my son succeed in baseball I'm wrong if I seek any of those things through my children I'm wrong if I seek that through my wife I'm wrong if I seek that through my position as a pastor I'm wrong I only can get that in the truest and purest form in him it's in Him and it's in God's Word. How do we get to know God? If you want to know Him, you better be on your knees seeking after God. But not only that, we better be in God's Word because it's through God's Word that He's going to give you the things that you need. 
It was just this morning in my, in my reading time, I've been going through, I have a, a year-long plan that I'm reading and different things, and this took me through, um, it was kind of funny where it was, but it took me through the Easter story right here in Christmas time. And so this morning I was reading something, and it's, I don't know what, is this like, I just can't stop slobbering now. <laughs> I'm reading through this passage of Scripture It's the Easter story. I'm a pastor. You know how many times I've spoken it? How many times I've read it? And I was just reading through it and I was like, wow, I never really paid attention to that. That's a really cool thought. Why? Because God's word is alive. God's word is powerful. God's word, it says that it's it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces into The bone and the marrow of who we are. Hey, when you're reading God's word or when you're sitting here as I read God's word and your stomach is in knots, let me share with you this. That's called the convicting power of God and it says so. And I say that because that's what God's word says it will do. It will pierce into our hearts. When you look at a grown man who is hearing God's word and just begins to weep and break and say, I don't know what's wrong. I know what's wrong. God's word, when we hear God's word, it changes us. When we hear God's word, when we listen to his voice, we will be filled with joy. It's powerful. We have to listen. Romans 10 says in verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Luke eleven twenty eight. but he said, yea, rather... Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. John 6 and 63, the end of this verse, it says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That is the word of God. It is profitable, it says there. The word of God will give you joy. Lastly, this morning, this joy is available to all. Luke chapter 2. And just a few verses here in verse number 8 is where we'll start. Luke 2 and verse number 8 it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy. What does it say? Which shall be to all people. For unto unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God's word here in this passage says that he comes to bring good tidings of great joy that would be to all people. Listen, this morning... I understand the season. I know that you're coming and you're expecting some type of a Christmas story sermon this morning. And not only that, you're expecting something new, most of you. Because you heard the Christmas story last year too and the year before that. But let me just say this to you. When God, <coughs> Man, I haven't coughed all week until this morning. God sent his son for those 
who are far from him. That when they found him, we would have joy. God sent his son for those of us as we listen that he would give us joy. God sent his son that all of those things, the joy that we have is available to every person, not just in this room, but around this entire globe. This morning, I don't know where you are personally in your walk with God. I don't know who in this room is one of those that are feeling far, (coughs) far from God. I don't know. But I know this. He's at the other side of the door. And as we knock, he says that he will open it. Listen, maybe you're here and you'd say, I don't know Christ as Savior. I'm, I'm, I, I don't really know even why I'm here. I was drugged here. I don't want to be here. Whatever that story is, here's what I can tell you. I told you just a moment ago, God knew you would be here, and that's why you're here. There's somebody, the Holy Spirit's just tugging. There's a seeking going on. And all God is waiting to do is as you knock, he's just waiting right there. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Have you ever known somebody was coming, and as they were starting to knock, you opened the door? I almost wonder if if the first time that we go to like hit that door, like it's like in, in the door's already been open and you're just like right there at Jesus' feet. He's opened it. He knew you were knocking. And he was there to come and to receive you. Listen, this morning, you may not know Christ as Savior as you sit here. And you may be in one of those positions where you are you're asking, God, where are you? I, I've, I, I've had a rough go at things, and I'm just out here kind of seeking this out. Where are you? You may be one of those that are truly seeking, and you may be looking at, at this religion and that religion and that religion, and you're trying to figure out all of this stuff. You may be at that place where you've been seeking, and you've come to a place this morning, and you're just ready. You're right there. You're ready to knock, and you just need to come to the right place to get it done. You may be in that situation. You also may be in one of the situations where I said earlier, you've been here week in and week out. And you're still just far away from God. You're trying to figure it out. How can I get to this place? What can I do? Where can I go? I'm having a rough go of things. There is no joy in my life. There is no peace right now. I'm struggling. Listen, let me encourage you. Let me beg you. Seek him out. Knock. You're not too far from him. He's calling you right now. We just have to say, I'm right here, God. Hey, don't keep running. Run to him. Respond to him. Get into God's word. You say, but I don't even know anymore. Listen, if you know Christ is your Savior, and you're at a place where you're like, I just don't even know anymore. Here's what I can promise you this. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. 
and will give you the understanding that you need as you open up God's word so long as you're seeking and asking him. And as you're doing so, as you're doing just that, he is wanting to fill you with joy. Because we just saw that. That as you listen to the voice of God, as you, as you seek after the voice of God, he gives you that joy. He wants to do that for each and every person in this room. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.